You're listening to The Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Now for political insight and strategy, let's get started with your hosts. Hi, this is Caitlin Martin. I'm Towner French. This is Patrick Martin. I'm Rodney Davis. This is Mark Alderman. This is Howard Schweitzer. All right, Mark, Rodney, Caitlin, Patrick. I feel like we haven't been together in a little while, but we're back. We're back together. And uh, this week, we attended the annual congressional baseball game, which is otherwise known as Rodney Davis's Super Bowl. Uh, the Republicans versus the Democrats at Nat Stadium. There were what, 20,000 people there? They sold 26,000 tickets. And um, I think the, the gate said over 20,000, which outsold and out attended eight major league games that night. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> and, and, and frankly, like, I'm never going to complain about spending an evening inside a major league ballpark, but it's pretty unbelievable to see these members of Congress. It's, Mostly House members, but some members of the Senate as well, some senators as well, play on a major league field and like actually play baseball is pretty, uh, pretty remarkable. The game has a lot of history. And and this this year, the uh, the R's beat the D's. What was the final score, Rodney? 16 to 5. 16-5. So it was a lopsided game, but a but a fun game was kind of surprised to see Congressman Stuby out there pitching uh, as the starting pitcher for the R's a few months after falling off a ladder at his house in Florida. Broken pelvis. Uh, um, and he's out there pitching and probably the best, the best player out there. Now that you're not playing Rodney. I mean, of course, <laughs> uh, of but, course, but I, but I do have to say there was a moment in the game Senator Joni Ernst on third, one out, one out, Rodney, not two outs, one out. And you're coaching third fly ball to left field, I think. And off she goes and she got doubled up. She did. She did. And I'm going to take this time to admit that was clearly my fault. But let me put some historical context in this. It's not going to make me look any better. I can tell you that. Uh, Joni Ernst, Senator Ernst, Iowa Senator, probably hands down the sweetest person I know in politics. The last person on that entire team that I, I would have wanted to do this to. But I seriously saw that ball hit and I looked at the arc of it. And I'm like, there is no way this guy, this freshman from California left field is playing close enough and is going to be able to get this ball. And I told Joni, go. And do you know why Joni listened to me? Because in practice, Joni was on third base. We're in a practice scrimmage and we're playing another team of like 50 and older uh, guys that play baseball all the time. So she's caught no man's land. The ball is hit, ground ball to third base, and I say go. She hesitates, and she goes back to the bag and gets tagged out. So she was trained to listen to me, and I failed her. Joni, I am going to send this to you, and I apologize. I want you to share this with everyone who tries to blame you. This was all me. I just want to know whether your former colleagues ripped the you-know-what out of you when you got to the dugout. Well, let's just say I immediately went over there, and I said, that one's on me. And they said, you're almost fired. Don't do it again. We saw. We could oh, tell. I was upset with myself. Look, you guys know me. I'm my biggest critic. It killed me to make a mistake like that. And I still feel bad because it's, you know, it's Joni. But in the end, you know what? Yeah. Uh, we would have we won 17 all, to 5. We all I was going to say a 6-5 loss. And that would have been a whole different reaction. All good. Well, as the third base coach, I take credit for all the other runs too. Right. They were clearly on my good judgment. Right. Exactly. We're having fun, but it was, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to see the, the two sides of the stadium cheer when their team does well. It's frankly a lot of fun to 
rise above the cynicism and politics that we deal with every day and have a little bit of fun out there, raise money for charity. We hosted what Caitlin, 25 clients in our suite. Um, 35, 35 and had an awesome time. And it was, uh, it was terrific. So what a great event. And we look forward to doing it again. I'm glad you guys are. I want to say as somebody who played in that game, Howard, Mark, Patrick, Caitlin, I want to say thank you for doing the sponsorship and, and realizing what an event it is. It used to not be that way. And this game was on the sixth anniversary of a crazed gunman coming to try and kill uh, me and my friends on a ball field where Steve Scalise was severely injured. And it wasn't it great on a six-year anniversary. Scalise leads off the game and gets a base hit. That just shows, and 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 the bipartisanship on that field is something I hope people take away. I made more friends on both sides of the aisle uh, when I played for nine years or played nine games in 10 years uh, in that game. And that game has now gotten to the point where they raised $1.8 million for Amazing. local DC charities and the Capitol Police Memorial Fund. Good stuff. I hate to segue to the Republicans, Rodney, for agreeing on a uniform. The Democrats couldn't agree on a uniform. That was was a little bit controversial. Our new manager at the time, Roger Williams, former minor league MLB uh, rostered player for the Braves. He likes everything. Everybody looked the same. But we used to get a lot of traction out of wearing local uniforms. And um, now we all wear the same uniform. and. and the Dems still, uh, they yeah, were something for look good. The Dems looked like a pickup team and played like a pickup team. Dems in disarray. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Trust me, we lost in those uniforms to the ragtag group, too. <laughs> we didn't look that good in the years past. Funny. Well, I hate to segue from that to what I'm about to segue to, but I'm about to segue to it. Former President Trump arraigned this week. Caitlin, you're shaking your head in a, a courtroom in Florida. Does anybody care? Apparently not. Caitlin, uh, is, Caitlin, <laughs> Caitlin is on mute. We're all waiting for her response. Yeah, well, I this week, I kind of forgot that that happened earlier this week, to be frank. Uh, but despite the wall-to-wall-to-wall media coverage, Look, no, I, I think that that silence kind of answers your question, Howard. It's, you know, never did we think we'd live in a world where our leading presidential candidate and a former president is facing charges in three different states. They did not take his mugshot, but he reported to court. And uh, yeah, th- these are the times that we're living in, apparently. Mark, wh- yeah, what's your view? I, well, My view is uh, Mitt Romney's view of all people. I heard Senator Romney ask his view, and he said he's mad. He's mad that because Trump wouldn't give the documents back, that the country has to go through this. And does anybody care? Yeah, I think people on both sides care, but it's not changing people's minds, if that's the question. Do people care enough to switch sides? No. But it's more disruption. It's more division. And all the guy had to do was give the documents back when asked and and subpoenaed. Patrick, I don't think anybody cares. I I think this thing was a ripple in the news cycle. Um, The indictment was a ripple. The arraignment was a ripple. I don't think anybody cares. I think that when the guy was elected to begin with in 2016, it was already baked in that there that the guy, the guy, everybody knows the guy's a criminal. Everybody know everybody knows with whom they have the pleasure. It's not breaking news that Donald Trump is a gangster criminal. You're talking about a guy who got elected president after a I know this isn't criminal. But after a video surfaced on a bus with him talking about grabbing a woman, like he's a disgusting and despicable individual. Everybody knows he was 
having affairs with porn stars and paying porn stars and that he's a criminal. And no, I don't think anybody cares. I don't think it changes anybody's mind about anything. And that that's my feeling. But what's yours, Patrick? Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you and I agree with Mark on kind of the, you know, that's at the core of the issue is just the, if you just kind of given the documents back and that's what makes it different. I mean, I do think the people who care the most, we don't really have anyone on the podcast in this category. I don't, I don't think, but the, you know, the people who do care are the hardcore MAGA people. And I, I think that they, this just adds to their sense of like, you know, the whole thing is stacked against Trump. And, and so I do think that it, I think it hardens his core supporters, which I do think is probably politically helpful for him if he's entering a primary with like eight other opponents, uh, which it looks like he's going to be. Obviously, they won't all make it, you know, to the first contest. But but yeah, but at the same time, federal prosecutors can't decide not to indict him because of that. So it's just that, yeah, the whole situation is kind of crazy. I mean, it's not I don't think I think to your point, Howard, most people the cake's kind of baked with him. You just, there's not, there's very little that would surprise you about his conduct or something he would do. And it's a really serious situation. The only funny part, at least that gave me a chuckle was uh, a resurfaced interview from 2022 with Kid Rock, uh, which had sort of been forgotten, but Trump was like showing him maps of North Korea and stuff at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> and, and uh, Kid Rock was like, I don't think I should be seeing this. And, I, there's something very funny to me about Kid Rock being like the voice of reason and and thoughtfulness in a situation like that. I just got a kick out of it. I, I think, though, Howard, and, and um, really pitching this to Caitlin and, and Rodney, to me, it does matter politically, not because it's going to change somebody's mind about being for him or against him, but it it recasts the campaign. He is now running for a pardon. He is running to stay out of jail, whatever yeah. you think of the indictment otherwise. And his his entire campaign is going to be now about this. It already is. He's demanding a pledge from the other candidates that they'll pardon him if elected. It's, it's just a further distortion of the Republican primary, but I'm I'm not the authority. We have two authorities on the screen who can opine on that. Well, very interesting conversation. Obviously, I've got my own personal uh, experiences with Donald Trump. Uh, I mean, flew with him on Marine One, Air Force One, um, watched his uh, pretty uh, lack of discipline, decision-making abilities personally on a, a, a regular basis at the White House and and while he was president. I'm going to make our longtime fan and listener, Evan Pritchard's ears perk up because I'm going to say I, I, I disagree with Patrick Martin on what comment you just made, which was that only the hardcore MAGA people care about this. I think there are a lot of non-hardcore MAGA people. These guys, these folks may be uh, Ron DeSantis supporters. They may be Tim Scott supporters, Chris Christie supporters. They really feel that in America right now, there's two tiers of justice. One that is a Republican, one is not. And let's go back to uh, what Howard said. Howard said in 2016, people, he couldn't believe people elected somebody so crude and possibly criminal like Trump. Well, that just tells you how bad Hillary Clinton was as a candidate for president of the United States, that a majority of Americans looked past that and said, OK, we're taking a shot on this guy. And I can well, tell you a majority from, of Americans, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. a majority of the electoral <laughs> college, majority yeah. of the ele but that's our Constitution. I would just say that's not right. But yes, uh, Listen, I've said since day one, this is all Hillary's fault. Mark can attest to that. It's all Hillary's fault. Mark definitely agrees with that. I wasn't around. I wasn't allowed to have that, that conversation. I was not around until Donald Trump turned on me. And now I'm here uh, because of him. Um, We're sorry, Rodney. Oh, no, no, no. I'm I. I. As much as anybody who listens doesn't realize this, I actually like you all. Um, but Wait, so your bottom line, 
your coaching mistake on Wednesday night was Trump's fault. That's what I'm hearing you say. <laughs> no, that was all me. There's a difference between Trump and me. I'll actually take the blame when I make a mistake. But here's the point I wanted to make about your comments, Mark. With all of this, Donald Trump's lead in the polls for the Republican nomination grew because nobody, yeah. nobody plays a victim like Donald Trump. And the only one who ever came close to it was another criminal who did similar things and got elected and got reelected president of the United States. And that's William Jefferson Clinton. Mark. Well, I, I think Rodney and I may be agreeing. I, I think it is consequential. I don't think it is consequential in the way that Jack Smith had intended or hoped it would be, but yes, it's politically meaningful and, and beneficial, I think, to Trump. We'll see if we hit a tipping point uh, when Georgia happens, assuming Georgia results in an indictment, which I think everybody anticipates. It's going to be interesting to me to see whether it's more of the same, whether his lead grows even more, or whether at some point a few people say, I just can't do this anymore. That, yeah. that, that, and that I, Mitt Romney's point. We we just can't do this anymore as a country. Yeah. Rodney, I actually don't. So I, I think uh, I think I actually agree. I agree with what you said. I it, it isn't. You're right. It isn't just the MAGA people. It it strengthened his position. I, I think that's what you're saying. It's what I, I think it strengthened his position in the Republican primary. I totally agree. Yes. Um, the difference I would m- maybe point out with President Clinton's situation, you know, is that what he went through, President Clinton remained very popular, you know, through 1998 with a strong majority of the country. And I think while Trump's legal situation is strengthening his position in a Republican primary, I don't think it's helping him in a general election. Now, there may be other factors. There may be other factors that take control, right? Like a deep recession or just things we can't even like Howard Markowitz point out, like we don't even know what we're going to be talking about in a year. So there's other things that could take a hold of the national environment, but all things being equal. Yeah, I think we're saying the same thing. I think it strengthens him in the Republican primary. I think it hurts him in the general. And it's, it's just kind of bad news all around, I think, for the country. He's the only person that's running on our side right now that could lose to Joe Biden again, which is why I think the Biden campaign is giddy on on watching what is happening right now. But I'll tell you all, I truly believe, and I've witnessed this, I've been, uh, I've been a victim of it. If Donald Trump is indicted in Georgia, is indicted in, in Guam, that strengthens his hand. In my opinion, the best thing for the country, the best thing for, for, a, a true break from this craziness is to really take a step back and understand what do these mean for him? Because the, the, the country went through what we now know was the Russia hoax. We went through multiple impeachments. We saw how he behaved on January 6th. We saw who he is, but America knows who he is and they knew who Bill Clinton was. And it's different times right now, Patrick, versus and no one likes politicians of either party now. That was not the same back in 1997 and 1998. It was a different environment. And yep. in the end, in the end, I certainly don't want Donald Trump to win, but I found something fascinating this week. You had Barack Obama, who who I have said on this podcast before is tied with Donald Trump for the second most narcissistic person I've ever met. Barack Obama, former president, came out attacking Tim Scott. Tim Scott scares every single Democrat in this country right now. They fear him. And as somebody who personally sat in the front row of a Barack Obama speech with my daughter, who was excited to talk to him, tell him about her college experience since he seemed to care at a Christmas party four years before that, look at me and stare and say, Republicans in Congress, I'm paraphrasing it, are racist. That is a that is something Barack Obama is coming out and saying about Tim Scott, 
for a reason. And it shows that President Biden is very, very weak with his strongest base of support, and that is African-Americans. And that is a big scare for all of them. And if you haven't seen Senator Tim Scott take down The View co-hosts about a week, week and a half ago, it is absolutely worth a watch. Well, I haven't seen it because I don't know anyone who watches that show. (laughs) But, but, I mean, listen, I think... Patrick, in in fairness, the people who decide elections actually watch that show. Do they? Well, that that may be so. I I, I mean, no suburban. I don't know who watches anything. Honestly, I have no I have no idea. That's because, uh, they that's also... because you've got your nose to the grindstone all day, Patrick, gutting that's it out right. on behalf of Cozen yeah. O'Connor Public. I don't have time for daytime TV. That's he's, not. He's yeah. shopping for a new suit every day. I mean, how big is your closet? Seriously? Oh, well, how big, do you have an extra wing for a closet? I've never seen you wear the exact same thing twice. Oh, my Caitlin, gosh. Kate, the other Caitlin Martin does not get her fair share of closet space, Rodney. <laughs> she would love to talk wardrobe on this show. She's got a lot of thoughts. Bring what her on. Is, guest. First guest. What is the path for Tim Scott? Yeah. Well, and what is can the I, path for Tim Scott? I agree. Of all the candidates in the field so far, I'd rather not face Tim Scott. I'd rather not face Donald Trump. Even though I think he is the easiest to beat, we've already made that mistake, and the consequences are just too dire. As, but what's as, the path for Tim Scott? As Brett Stevens said in a New York Times column, the only thing that's going to take care of Donald Trump is a Big Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Well, He likes, he likes KFC, too. <laughs> yeah. Caitlin, can you answer Mark's question? What do you think? It's tough in the primary states, I think. Well, look, I think African-American voters, frankly, Mark, to to answer your question, that's really going to need to bridge the gap. And they're going to need to, just like in the state of Florida, the fact that we won over many minority voters in the last election, it's going to take building a larger tent and identifying with folks who might not be usual Republican primary voters. Um, he's certainly a much better general candidate than a, than a primary candidate. It's going to be tough. But, from a but, he's a, but look, he is a conservative senator who has led and who has gotten you know real impacts for whether it was in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And he's got a record to run on. It's just going to be hard to break through. The, the problem Mark, is the media. The problem is the media is. wants to reelect Donald Trump. Oh, the, well, that's what's they, making me crazy. About they don't want to reelect him. They don't want to reelect him. They want him to win the nomination. No, they want him in the White House because he drives no. eyeballs to TV screens. Not a chance. Well, Listen, not a chance. I, <laughs> the people who are watching the wall-to-wall coverage on MSNBC and CNN are not deciding between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. They already made up their minds. The The media saturation is to a, a an audience that's already decided. I totally I, agree. I don't I, think that's, I don't, Mark, I don't, I don't agree. It's not about, it's, it's not about, CNN and MSNBC, it's about every time you click on the New York Times website or the Wall Street Journal website or the Washington Post website or Yahoo or wherever you click, it's all about Trump. Well, uh, agree to disagree. But my question is, is not the problem the primary process? The problem for Tim Scott is that you guys have on your side still, we have uh, amended our process, although God knows what it'll look like uh, in fact. But you start in Iowa, where there isn't a minority community for him to appeal to. And then you go to New Hampshire, same same fact. And basic, it's winner take all. And if yeah. and when Tim Scott, I know we went through it, Patrick, with Joe Biden finishing sixth in New Hampshire or fourth or wherever he was. But it's so hard to come out of Iowa and New Hampshire at zero and and find a path to the nomination. If the media would give some oxygen, Rodney, to somebody other than Donald Trump, 
he'd have a chance. I, well, I agree with that. And I and I agree that the media wants Donald Trump, but I don't think it's because they want him to win. The only chance Tim Scott has is to follow a path that's been followed by candidates like, uh, you know, I mean, even though he lost, he got the nomination, John McCain. Um, remember, Donald Trump didn't win Iowa. Ted Cruz won Iowa. Um, frankly, I'm, gosh, I don't remember if he won New Hampshire or not, but I don't think he did. I can be proven wrong, just like coach in third base. Uh, but in, so. in in the end, in the end, what Tim Scott has to do is w- sit back, watch Chris Christie try to destroy Trump, watch Francis Suarez now try to destroy DeSantis along with Christie and 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 be the person in the top two. Remember, in 2016, the last three choices for Republicans were Ted Cruz, John Kasich, and Donald Trump. And most Republicans, including me, knew that there was no way Kasich was going to be able to be the top person coming out of that. And there are a lot of us that didn't like Ted Cruz. And we were like, well, if the choice is between the known senator from Texas and the unknown, how about we ride the tiger and take a shot? And you had a lot of Republicans like me that were like, "Okay, let's go with Trump. Trump did win New Hampshire with 35 percent of the vote. Although Rubio, Bush, Cruz and Kasich aggregated to well, well beyond that. So it's to your point, I think, Patrick, you've made the point several times. It's just too crowded a field. Yeah, but Roddy points a good one, which is how quickly does the field consolidate? And so that I mean, to me, that's the biggest question. If you can if someone takes a strong second and then a bunch of other people get out because they realize they can't raise any more money and they have no chance, then, you know, then it becomes interesting because, you know, maybe there is a situation where if it's a two way primary for most of the process and there's ability to win, you know, a lot of delegates that that he can be beaten, but someone's going to have to show particular strength early on in order for other people to get out of the way. Um, We'll just have to see if that happens. Patrick, uh, Mark mentioned that there's no real African-American major population in Iowa. I will tell you from my colleagues, former colleagues, from what they tell me uh, and what they see on the ground in Iowa now is that Tim Scott is pulling in bigger crowds than what anyone expected. And I think that's that's a good sign for him. I'm in the category too. Like, I I mean, I want two strong nominees. I, I, I just do like, and it's a point Mark and I have made on this podcast. Like I don't, I don't want Trump to be the nominee. Even if I think that that gives Biden a better chance and whatever limited political knowledge I have about what the country wants to do, I would rather have Tim Scott be the nominee because it's better for the country. Uh, and so I hope that the Republican primary process nominates someone that's worthy of the presidency because I don't think the former president is. Well, we're, I mean, look, if, 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 if he were to win again, I mean, we're gambling with the future of our country. And if Tim Scott gets elected, it policy shifts, but the country doesn't meet its demise. I'll add one point to that, though, Howard. If you look at their policy platforms, they don't differ all that much. So, yeah, but that's this this isn't about this isn't about policy. Yeah, it's not about who's the most conservative. That's not I mean, and that's where Trump there is like this. It's this. I don't know what it is, but and I don't want to use the word cult or whatever, but it's like you're either in the group or you're not like with that. And Trump has done a good job of. I mean, he has created kind of the modern feel of what the party is. And and Rodney, I saw your quote. Uh, you know, we may have a contested primary here in Illinois with your friend uh, Mike Boston, our failed gubernatorial nominee, Darren Bailey. And I think you I, what did you say? You said he's got no chance, right? Darren Bailey's got absolutely no chance if he primaries him. No, I, I said he's he was with Trump. Uh, he was in at the first in the first row at Bed Minister when yeah. Trump came out complaining about his indictment. And yeah. if Darren Bailey thinks he's going to get Trump's endorsement, he has no chance. That's what I was talking about. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. 
Yeah. But, um, but uh, he's got, he's, Mike's going to have a tough race, but Mike will win because he won't have the Trump problem I had. Yeah. That makes sense. Cause I mean, I do think Darren Bailey, I mean, he would be a legitimate primary contender, right? I mean, it's oh, especially just, in him, that district. Give, yeah. Give him problems. And it's just, it has nothing to do with Darren Bailey being more conservative than Mike, but that's not the fundamental question. It's this cultural thing. It's this, it's just this, you know, who kind of, you know, whether you call it MAGA or whatever the heck you call it, it's just, it's this Trump identity thing that I think is continues to be really important in these Republican primaries. I am glad to be back on the podcast because I got to witness once again, the histrionic globalist, Howard Schweitzer, Say the country's going to explode because the New York Times and Donald Trump wins. But you know what? In the end, this cultish type behavior did not start just with Donald Trump. Had you Did you witness Bernie Sanders' campaign in 2006? You want to talk about a cult? Listen, I, I'm... And it is... It, it is it is on the far ends of both of our political parties yeah. that this has just taken hold. And unfortunately, it's growing. It's not what it's not ebbing. It is growing. And we've got to do what we can to stop it. Yeah, because yeah. the media also fans the flames of the culture wars. They do. Yeah. And by it's the way, political power brokers like Mark were able to solve that problem. So Sanders didn't get the nomination and yeah. Joe Biden did. That's <laughs> look at what's happened. Like notwithstanding, if you, if you this is what we always say, like, don't buy the head fake. Don't look at the headlines. Look at what actually happens. If you if all you do is you look is look at the headlines, the countries at war, nobody can agree on anything. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Meanwhile, we've gotten a bipartisan infrastructure package, a chips package, a debt ceiling deal, multiple spending bills, multiple COVID bills. It's like this is Howard's ad for President Biden's re-election campaign. I like it. I mean, <laughs> morning listen, in America. Listen, uh, I'm listen. Joe Biden. He's going to pop up on one of the little boxes. Go, Over Trump. Biden, and I approve what Howard Schweitzer just said. We're exactly. on our own, Caitlin. Damn we straight. are on our Damn own. Damn straight. Listen, if you, if, if you look beyond the level of the headlines and look at what's actually happening, the country's doing okay. And by the way, look at the economy. Economy's doing well. The economy's doing well. Look at the market. It's a bull market. We're back to a bull market. That means that the market is expecting the economy to, to do well on a forward-looking basis. Inflation is down. I mean, Biden's got a as good a case. He's he's 80. He's gonna be 80. He is 80. He's gonna be 82 if he gets reelected. But for that, he's got a very good case for another term. He uh, he does, but the media is going to have to stop ignoring what Chairman Jamie Comer is investigating when it comes to uh, documents and bank records that he and uh, that he has said he has personally seen. And, that's fair. And that's, I think that's fair. That's going to be if if even half of what is alleged is true. Um, or even a quarter of it, this will be a major story and will impact the presidential election tremendously. And and there's nobody on our side, on the Republicans, there's no power brokers like Mark Alderman that can get Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar to drop out before South Carolina. That's why I would argue, again, I, I think Trump right now is a very formidable, probably the presumptive nominee on our side. And that disappoints me. Well, listen, I I agree. And again, this is what drives me crazy, Mark, about the media. Like you had this, the fake laptop narrative for two years, which turned out to be wrong, yeah. uh, perpetuated by mainstream media that are, that all had to then step up and say we were wrong. But it took two years. Yeah, I just agree to disagree on on the media. I am not an apologist 
for the media. The media is as divided as the country. I don't see the monolith that you do. The media, the media. Of course the, you don't, because it is in favor of your view of the world. It, no, there's a right-wing media. There's a left-wing media. There, I, I don't think that there was a meeting. It's not the... Uh, protocols of the elders of Zion. I don't think there was a meeting where they decided, okay, this is how we're going to handle this. And I think the media, whomever that may be, did try to actually get behind Ron DeSantis uh, a little while ago, and and it didn't take. The skin graft didn't take. He, he, so I'm, I'm... What does that have to do with Hunter Biden's laptop? No, I just don't think there is a concerted monolithic media that is ignoring this and and promoting that. I think in the modern age, you click on whatever you want to look at. My so, gripe is that no, nothing changes anybody's mind. Everybody Mark, do you think if, if that were Eric Trump's laptop, do you think that the media would have treated it the same way as they've who, treated Hunter Biden's yeah, laptop? Who, who I don't know who you are saying treated it as what Fox News didn't treat it in some dismissive way. Forget the media. What about the and, Department of Justice? How about how about the Sunday news programs? Let's just start there. Speaking Let's of stuff, no one watches anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I have it right. Nobody watches. Yeah, totally. I, Can't wait to watch Meet the Press on Sunday. Yeah. Says no one yeah. ever anymore. I, I get a new host. I may go back to Meet the Press with a new host, but I, I don't watch. I can't. Uh, I can't answer. Howard, yeah, because, well, Howard, welcome back. Outside again. Um, <laughs> listen, we appreciate outnumbering listen. the two liberals. Yeah, and uh, now now we're going to hear about AOC. The show wouldn't listen, be complete without Howard doing an AOC. On any given show, on any given minute, on any show, I can pop up on either side. I fully admit it. <laughs> hey, I I saw a stat just this morning that I think uh, it, it it says exactly what you're saying. Um, the Trump indictment on ABC, CBS, and NBC has, over the last few days, gotten like 269 minutes of coverage. And the Biden bribery scandal that you have a chairman of a sitting committee in the House of Representatives that says he saw documents that proves something was amiss, zero seconds of coverage on those three stations in the same time period. Well, it it should be covered. It's news. Nobody's watching. And nobody it is. Now we're back to the beginning. If people don't care about the Trump indictment, they also don't care about these documents. Everybody's made up their mind. That's I don't think that's true, Mark, because the reason the reason why Joe Biden is able to beat Donald Trump is because Joe Biden is viewed as wholesome and moral and which by the way I think he I think he is as far as we know today <laughs> yeah yeah no this I to the complete double standard that we started by talking about with the indictment and this is where you are seeing traction outside of just the deep deep red MAGA Trump base is the idea of this weaponization of government and there are many moderate Republican members of Congress who are not Trump supporters and have gone up against Trump who are still expressing concern about this double standard, whether it's Hunter Biden's laptop or documents at Mar-a-Lago or Russia or and plus, plus, plus. Like this is this is really what it's coming down to. And I think the country will be very surprised if that if that is really what's taking hold. If you want to see weaponization of government, let's elect Donald Trump president again, because I cannot even imagine what a Department of Justice is going to look like if he gets back in office. It's going to be a four year like trying to take out everyone who ever screwed him. I mean. There there isn't going to be a Department of Justice because yeah, every MCI. top official will quit. Yeah. 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 God oh. forbid. Uh, I'm 
you got to look back at the Russia theory and 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 look, there are a lot of good men and women who work at the DOJ, work in the FBI throughout our country. They do a great job every day. But the folks that were in charge that bought Hillary Clinton's opposition research that was now proven not to be true and opened up that Russia collusion theory. I mean, look, I wasn't a fan of Donald Trump in 16. I unendorsed him. And I thought a lot of what was alleged was initially true. And and for me now to see what actually happened, to see the bias at the top levels of the FBI and of justice, it makes somebody like me who does not want Donald Trump to win, it makes me question why there seems to be two tiers of justice. Chris Ray won't provide an unclassified document to his specific oversight authority, which is the United States House of Representatives, the United States Congress, that makes me take a step back and say, what else is going on? Can someone just wake me up in early November next year when this is all over? Because I feel <laughs> like I'd like to just fast. I feel like let's just fast forward to the end. Oh, We're I about can't to wait. go. Uh, yeah. Be careful what you ask for. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not saying I know what the result's going to be. I just don't know if I can do a whole year of it year plus it's gonna be fun yeah something well spirited as always i i hate i know caitlin hates to spend an entire episode of the beltway briefing talking about the orange man but we're the media and if someone gets all their news from the beltway briefing howard we're, we're part screwed. of the problem that you right, pointed out right. I was screwed. Say. If someone gets all their news from the beltway briefing it's they're the whole form of, yeah. Yeah. all right guys rodney mark caitlin patrick we will be back next week and thanks everybody for listening you've been listening to the beltway briefing a podcast from cozen o'connor public strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Please subscribe to our podcast so our episodes are automatically sent to you when they are released. The Beltway Briefing Podcast has been produced by Hometown Podcasts and Audio, Washington, D.C.